This morning I'd like to start off with something a little bit different, not my norm, of course, but something that will, uh, I'm going to ask you to participate. And I want you to close your eyes, not too seriously because I don't want you to fall asleep, <laughs> but close your eyes and try to image or remember something that was said to you sometimes briefly or off the cuff or in whatever manner, but something that was said to you that had an intentional purpose, sort of redirected your focus or somehow changed your life. Now this may have been a teacher, it could have been a parent, grandparent, any kind of relative, or it could have been a friend who just was making a comment, an observation of your behavior. But something, in fact, that changed you and made you look at what the person was requesting alive and somehow different. So for a moment, take some time and think about what are the things that were said to you that made life changes? What, who were the people that were involved in saying something, not necessarily directing you or demanding of you, but rather that gave you the opportunity to see something different than you normally saw. I'm going to share with you my own. There are many, actually. One in particular that sort of struck, struck me and uh, has changed my life literally for a long period of time. I was concerned about my drinking pattern and habits, and I met this. I was talking with this individual, and all of a sudden it popped out for the first time publicly. I'm saying, I'm a little concerned about how I drink. The person turned to me and simply said, I think you ought to take that seriously. That was it. That was the end of the phrase. The next day I said, well, I've got to quit drinking. And I started my recovery that next day. I wound up in the hospital because I had some pain in my stomach and I was feeling really out of sorts. I'm thinking, oh my God, am I in DTs? The doctor came in and said, well, you have a bleeding ulcer and I'm glad that you came to the hospital because you're the one that always avoids hospitals and it's nice that you're here so we can treat you and we can actually make you well again. And I told him that I had started recovering. I had gone off alcohol. He said, hmm, that's a very interesting thing because I was doing your blood test and you know, you've had some problems with, with your white blood count. It sort of goes all over the map and I never understood it, but now I do. I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, I think alcohol affects your white blood count. And he says, I want to tell you, if you want to pick up the alcohol again, that's fine with me, but just know that you may be committing suicide. From one phrase, I think you ought to take that seriously. A whole life changed in me and my patterns of living and life. A simple phrase. But I've had others, and there have been other times when, in fact, people have said something and all of a sudden it hits me like a light bulb. Oh my God, I never thought of that that way or never saw myself in that light. 
It's amazing to me that we open ourselves when we hear one another. Simple phrases that can impact us. So how does this relate to the gospel? Well, it's interesting to me that Jesus is walking by and two of the disciples of John take off with Jesus. And Jesus turns around and said, why are you following me? And they said, quickly, we want to see where you're staying. And all he says to them is, come and see. Come with me and see. He's one of them, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, became a very solid, committed disciple of Jesus from coming and seeing, from opening his heart and mind. He turns around and asks Simon, hey, Simon, you better come and see this guy because I think he is the Messiah. And when Simon comes, he calls him Cephas, Peter. The interesting part to me is it's just a simple come and see. Not exactly like, well, I think you ought to take that more seriously, but yet a phrase that causes people to shift and look at things differently. And when you look at the Gospels of Jesus, he does that all of the time. When people are asking him questions, he turns it around and says something different than what they would normally expect. And all of a sudden, they have to take pause and think and open their minds to a different point of view or a different vision of themselves. I think it's really critical for us to be more in the present to hear those words from friends and family and even sometimes people we just run into casually. When they make an observation, to be able to hear it clearly as an opportunity for change. Now, all of us, I mean, I certainly am aware that change is not my normal nature. I feel very comfortable knowing all the things that I know and who I know and how important I am and all of those great things. But it's when someone addresses that and causes me to shift that suddenly I open up to a new sense of my own self-being. I have a story that I wanted to share with you because I found it very interesting. We've gone to a national workshop for college chaplains and students in Estes Park, Colorado. It was quite a wonderful event, and the whole focus was around our understandings about racism. Desmond Tutu happened to be our chief chaplain. Kind of a nice presence. Talk about a man with few words that leave heavily strong impacts on your own faith and life. He certainly was that. We also had some other theologians talking about various issues, and how racism inhibits us. At the end of the four-day conference, I remember coming together, and Mark Harris from our National Church headquarters, who was in charge of the Episcopal, catch this, 
the Episcopal Society for a Ministry in Higher Education. We called it Ejmi. Anyway, he came forward and the light, the candles on the altar were lit and ready in this huge auditorium setting. He walked up and blew out one candle, blew out another candle and said, our fellowship has been broken. We cannot do communion. Then he talked about an incident that happened that evening before where in fact racial comments were exchanged, they turned it heated to the point where police got involved. And we sat there in this paused moment and I'm thinking, where do we go from here? What do we do? I had all of these things going through my head real quickly. And one of the students involved in the issue stood up and said, I'm at fault. I was the one that broke community. I lost my patience and my sense of self. Became angry over a petty issue and I started the whole incident. And the person that he accused stood up and said, I too am at fault because I responded in a like pattern. What I found so fascinating was that all of a sudden, one by one, people, students, other uh, chaplains were standing up, owning the fact that somehow we were all falling short, that somehow we were stumbling in our faith. And the interesting part to me was that the more and more it got revealed, the more and more there was a sense of ownership of everyone about themselves and their stakes and their pride and their ego around their understanding of racism. Towards the end of this period, a chaplain who was visiting with us from the Lutheran church she was part of their national body. And she stood up and she said, you know, I've always thought about the confession and the value of confession. But she said, today, we experience the most powerful form of confession possible. Everyone was openly honest about their share in the responsibility of the behavior. I am so moved and so touched that I had this chance to see God working in us to perfect us and bring us to a better understanding. And I thank you. Mark got up, lit the one candle, lit the other. And he started with the peace of the Lord be always with you. The point I'm trying to raise is that all of us, even when we hear those words, even when we know what our mission probably should be, we're going to have stumbling like that. And sometimes we get off target and skewed and we get caught up more in our frustration about not being able to be perfect. 
as opposed to being accepted by God because we're not perfect. It's hearing the words of others who can open up doors and windows and opportunities to see ourselves alive and allow that to be part of who we become, but not without difficulty, not without staggering and stumbling, but rather as a part of our human nature. Perhaps the biggest gift we can give one another today is in our exchange of peace to acknowledge not only the gift that can be available through words, but also the gift of holding and hugging someone. Now Mark, when he blew out those candles and put out light, it was like speaking to the heart of God's call for us to be in communion. It was a gesture that was so powerfully portrayed and it was a shock to all of us present. Desmond Tutu, at the very end of the conference, said something about how God works in wonderful, mysterious ways and that in spite of the difference, the contempt, and the anger, we were able to face God's love head on. We need to look at the little things in our lives. We need to hear those phrases that make us and give us the opportunity to change. Because it is in that that we, in fact, stumbling as we may be, will find God's peace in our hearts and in our minds. Amen.